Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com and you're listening to this special episode of the Alex Merced cast. Um, this was supposed to be sort of the bon- these bonus Monday episodes I've been doing. Um, basically, I got a little tied up time-wise coming back from the Florida convention this uh, early May weekend, which was a fabulous time. But here I am recording the episode with some very interesting thoughts that I've had. That This is not necessarily something I have a conclusion to or I, it's just something that's starting to go through my head and I thought I'd kind of say it out loud to start a conversation okay and maybe you know who knows maybe I think it through even further as we discuss so because I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm online and I'm watching people who care a lot about sort of a more what I would want to say social um, or individualistic egalitarianism. When I say that, I don't mean it's, they want to redistribute all resources so that way everyone has the same equal stuff. But I'm saying egalitarian in the sense that people want to be taken as individuals. So they decry things like uh, all sorts of collectivism, such as individualism and stuff like that, which I do. I mean, I'm, I'm very much in that same mold. But the problem is that they go a step further and they're so fervent about trying to just sort of dismiss um, people who might look at others as collectives and whatnot, that they're quick to assume that someone does. Or quick to um, judge someone for their actions in the past, as if individuals cannot change, uh, as if individuals cannot seek redemption, and must automatically be showered with resentment, because you need to signal to the world that you have this position, this, this view, um, because the view is only by creating this sort of firewall 24-7 against anybody who may seem be seeming even a little bit controversial, that is the only way to protect any credibility. Or the slightest crossing of this firewall will, will cause everyone to dismiss you offhand. At the end of the day, if people want to dismiss you, they're going to dismiss you. And even if you do not associate with people that they can dismiss you via connection, you know, if even if you don't give them ammo to dismiss you, they will make it up or just loosely connect you, uh, you know, through the six degrees of Kevin Bacon to dismiss you. Okay, the people who want to out of hand dismiss you will dismiss you. That's reality. The idea is that you want to foster the ears of the ears of the people who are willing to listen to you and create new ears by creating relationships, by creating, uh, by connecting with people. But this gets me thinking about sort of, you know, where does things like collectivism oftentimes come from? And when I really think about it, you know, because nothing just kind of happens in a vacuum. Everything kind of happens through a chain of events, a chain of conditions. And I'm starting to kind of really think that... uh, you know, a lot of times people would argue that a lot of racism, a lot of collectivism, and not just racism, uh, basically any kind of social division, whether it's ethnic, or racial, gender, or whatever, um, oftentimes comes to comes from a couple of different factors. But I'm going to focus mainly that a lot of people see social groups divided, and oftentimes it can be it is spoken about as you know race, ethnicity. But what underlies it is sort of a class struggle. So basically rich versus poor. And basically due to historical events, um, you know, people end up on one side of that sort of wealth distribution than the other. And then this over time becomes a racial divide or not a racial divide, but it's some sort of collectivist divide because it can come up in all sorts of different forms. And although 
I want to take it one step further that it could even you can even go take a step back and even make it sort of a, a, an issue of education. Um, but let me play out my thoughts because again, this is just something sort of I'm playing in my head and I'm trying to think through again the logical steps of causation and trying to think through sort of what are the flaws in this thought process. So I haven't fully fleshed this out, but I think it's it's interesting in the sense that oftentimes we like before what I, what I used to say and what I still for the most part believe is that what you have happen is that there is divide, just natural social divides. You have people who are who are powerful who want to retain that power, and people who are less powerful who are at a disadvantage for lacking power in a sense. So what happens is that uh, the people with power then use that power to usually oftentimes uh, co-op the state to create, to protect their advantages, which then reinforces the disadvantages of others. Okay, so think of pretty much any, almost every law that's implicitly or explicitly racist. Oftentimes what it really the underlying intention is to protect the advantages or privileges of those in power but the result is that it reinforces and creates new disadvantages for those out of power that's sort of the general mold so in the sense that you have economic disparities that are oftentimes seen along racial lines or ethnic lines oftentimes it has to do with the timing of these sort of barriers that were put in place so essentially, it's not because people will sit there and say, well, you know, uh, free markets and they'll sit there and try to argue that free markets are racist. But oftentimes, a lot of the racial disparities didn't happen because people were free, but it's because some, some, some groups only had very limited access to markets. So they were not able to, to have access to the empowering ability of markets. But then the counter-argument would be, well, the reason why they didn't have access to those markets is because there was an imbalance of power. And the imbalance of power allowed some people to co-opt those markets. And there will always be power imbalances. So every time you get to free markets, that power imbalance will result in someone with power destroying that market to protect themselves at the disadvantage of others. And these are all fair things. This is... This is... And and I mean, you know, this is why sort of that idea, that tool for abusing power, that tool of power is sort of the, to me at the end of the day, where we really want to address. We really want to have such a powerful thing in the room that will always eventually lead to the powerful subverting the less powerful, in a sense, bringing these perpetual imbalances that go across generations and result in divisions and whatnot. Cool. But at the end of the day, whether you're but then when I start taking a look at like individuals who meet each other and oftentimes people may have people may have on the surface biases, uh, you know, along different lines. But what I notice is that oftentimes in, in, in practice, even if they feel really strongly about X group or Y group, if they meet an individual who they can kind of get along with or talk with or, you know, generally... Um, talk to generally they oftentimes will end up just getting along just fine so oftentimes sort of the the hate can be abstract be for this sort of imaginary idea of the other and then when they meet someone 
But where there is oftentimes very real lines of division is is in people of different varying levels of of of, edu- of education or intelligence, and what I mean by this is not is just that if I and I think this has more of an issue of communication and why would someone be there's a variety of reasons why someone may have had access to more education than other could have been for economic reasons could have been for geographic reasons you were just born somewhere that just didn't have as quality schools um, there's all sorts of different reasons why um, someone's education might have been affected but if I'm talking to someone who's or if anyone is talking to someone who's a lot less educated than they are, then what's going to happen is they're going to be using vocabulary and speaking to ideas that the person they're talking to doesn't necessarily fully understand. And this creates sort of a frustrating dynamic in the conversation. So they they, they end up getting – basically what happens is that they end up resenting each other. One person thinking the other person is condescending and, 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 and looking down on them while the other person being – frustrated that they can't communicate and being like, why don't you know these things that I know, uh, in a sense. And this, and the thing is that this is not just like the smart and the unsmart. There's varying degrees of education. And then you can see these disparities among when the sort of the distance between where any two individuals are become too disparate, this kind of dynamic tends to happen. But... Um, so that's So what I'm getting at is that oftentimes the way history can play out and affect education levels. So in the sense that if you create, if the powerful create policies that sort of isolate different groups of the population and, and that can hurt them economically, it also results in hurt, hurting them with access to a lot of other institutions, such as education institutions, etc. And then this ends up creating a lot of um, what ends up becoming sort of, tr- basically people start thinking, start correlating uh, incorrectly, because again, correlation is not causation. They start correlating the the populations with sort of with uh, education trends, when really it's it's more of a historical power dynamic that resulted in certain populations not having as much access to education, or or just not having a lot of those having. There's just basically again historical events led to led to the numbers to be where they are. And I mean, oftentimes when people just look at the pure numbers and say, well, the numbers say this, this is this is the kind of that's the kind of thinking that led to the, the housing crisis where people just say, well, house prices are always going up, so uh, they'll always go up. Same thing with sort of uh, you know, all sorts of social statistics just because you see certain correlations the, oftentimes, the causation is much more complicated. It has to do with historical policy and whatnot. Um, as you can see, I haven't quite fully found the words to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say in the sense that bottom line is what I'm saying is that historical, historical inequalities of power results in inequality economically and education-wise. And those disparities economically and in education do lead to social distrust and social division. So, conclusion is, you you don't necessarily want, you know, more people having more access to education and more access to the opportunities to seek wealth will reduce these disparities which will reduce 
this social um, distrust, the social division. Cool. But that means you need free markets. Because other people will say, we'll kind of agree with the premise that more education is good, you know, more, more wealth, you know, more, less disparity in wealth is good. And these are all good things for social cohesion in a sense. But they're like, well, that's not going to naturally happen. So we just need government to, to, to engineer it. But op- what happens is that oftentimes government in attempting to engineer it creates all, all sorts of new problems, distorts all sorts of incentives that instead of really making everything one, instead of narrowing the gaps at what maybe was the current median, you've actually just lowered the median. So maybe everyone's more equal, but they're equal, more equal at a lower level all around. So everyone's just kind of worse off, per se. And you may or may not create more, more or less social cohesion. Okay? Um, in a sense. And then is social cohesion really the only real ends that shouldn't matter for policy reasons? I mean, I, I care that we all get along. I think a state of liberalism where people are by and large free is more sustainable in, in a situation where there's a much more social cohesion, but also when there's too much social cohesion, you can lose that as well because then people become too willing to give up their rights because they're so willing to get along with the rest of society. So you don't want no social cohesion results in people wanting to control each other. Too much social cohesion will res- results in people just willing to give up their rights because they trust everybody and and then eventually when the wrong person gets in power, that level of giving up your rights because you felt everything was okay results in high-end depression later on. So basically, bottom line, extremes are never good. Is is so. Let's just reiterate. Okay? So the kind of get our bottom lines. Disparities in education and, and, and wealth can create social um, volatility. So more people having level better levels of education is good better levels of wealth is good better for society as a whole government engineering it oftentimes doesn't work well but if you have free markets people can find ways to get more and over time you will have sort of a more equal level as people come kind of compete over scarce resources oftentimes these disparities come in cycles where there is a lack of competition Um, so free markets are good and freedom is good and individualism is good and the more that we can create the more that an environment exists where we are free which allows us to seek resources which will just naturally kind of result in a more a more I want to say I don't want to say egalitarian but bottom line is when people compete over stuff it becomes more evenly distributed that's just a natural natural way of things because if someone's getting more, then people are going to want to compete for that more. And if someone's getting less, they're going to want to push a little bit harder to get a little bit more. So free markets, free individuals oftentimes just kind of lead to a more even distribution of things. Whether it be education or wealth, that's going to lead to more social cohesion. But again, once you end up with too much social cohesion, which sometimes government policy can end up to because they try so hard to engineer it, you end up with a society that's complacent that allows themselves to eventually lose all their rights. But if they have no cohesion then people hate each other so much that they end up taking away each other's rights. So you want people who get along, but you want people who, at the end of the day who still are willing to question people when they try to take their rights away. Uh, cool. <laughs> so that's a, a lot of thinking. But I mean, and, and the, real, the real point that I'm even thinking about this, because I, you know, I forgot to kind of 
give you sort of the why um, is because people spend so much time just trying to browbeat people for not necessarily being as righteous, uh, righteous egalitarians as the, they are, per se, or, you know, but that's not, that's missing the point. What you really want to do is understand sort of the vacuum or the environment in which these divisions in society get created or exist or grow and whatnot. And for the most part, change the institutions and create new institutions that will prevent that kind of dynamic from existing in the future. So in the sense that we want markets that allow us to kind of educate each other better, we are going to want markets that will give us all op- better opportunities to get wealth. And that's going to rise all ties, rise all boats, and make us all, as our children grow up together, we're all going to love each other more. And that is good. But to the extent that we just, if you just sit there and you just divide yourself against division, you are just creating more division. If you just say, hey, I'm going to hate you because... I think, or you seem, or you might have talked to someone who hates someone, um, you are just putting more hate into the world and just multiplying it. Um, you can't fight. F- you can, like, for example, with, with a lot of times with wars, like, you don't end violence with violence. Like, yeah, you may there may be situations where you have to defend yourself physically, but that doesn't end the violence, per se. That just words off the violence at the end of the day you need to change what's the motivation so if someone's throwing punches at me i can throw punches back i can block those punches and that's great that defends me but i need to understand what the motivation of that person is for throwing punches at me and i need to change those motivations and that's not and punches aren't going to change someone's motivation what's going to change someone's motivation is me just getting in you know getting to a point where we can have a conversation i must have i might have to defend myself until that point but the goal is to get to that conversation where I can understand their motivations and hopefully change their motivations for an actual sustainable peace. Uh, and that's really what we're doing here. We're trying to advocate for an individual peace, peace on an individual level. We talk about peace between nations, but we need peace between individuals. So that's kind of what I have to say about all of this. And I hopefully you guys found this interesting. If you guys want me to continue to sit around and kind of pontificate on things like this, Please do become a supporter over there at patreon.com slash Alex Merced. That's patreon.com slash Alex Merced. Head over to alexmerced.com, sign up for the mailing list, like me on social media. Uh, again, these weekly bonus episodes will continue uh, through the end of June. And depending on how my level of support on Patreon will determine whether I can still set aside the time to do so on a more permanent basis. So please do become a supporter over there at patreon.com. Thank you very much.